me we apologize for being just a little bit late launching the show off here today we had some technical difficulties we are coming to you for the dead lock podcast no ufc this week so we figured we should bring something to the table get some mma action going talk about some of the the things going on in the mma world lock manpreet my friend my co-host how you doing today buddy i'm good dude i am psyched the hell up because tomorrow i get to go to a massive concert for the weekend it's going to be taking place in a stadium clint think of a stadium full of fans singing their hearts out having a great time um it's actually where the blue jays play so the weekend it's selling and moving tickets uh especially in a stadium setting so i'm very much looking forward to that i was supposed to go to it in july and then it got postponed literally the day of as people are lining up outside in anticipation for it but we had a, a big nationwide outage with our main telecommunications provider and they finally moved it to tomorrow so i am super excited i'm getting shit faced all day tomorrow and i cannot wait for it so yes clint i am hyped up i'm super hyped up that's the move right there, man. Love to hear it. I remember you uh, messaging me how upset you were that they canceled your show oh, on your show. <laughs> I was so drunk that day, too, because me and the wife had, like pre-drank like, heavily in anticipation for that concert. And as we're walking to the venue, we see that massive crowd of people heading the other way. We're like, oh, God, this that this probably not good news. And surely enough, it was not good news <laughs> that sounds awful man well i'm glad you get to actually do your concert what's up everybody in the chat thank you for hanging out with us we've got hype in the chat oh my guy razor sharp pick stopping by for the first time thanks for uh tuning into the show my guy how you doing tristan also here in the chat appreciate you hanging support out. my guy clinton too tristan what are you talking about just me <laughs> i appreciate your love and the support my guy clinton tristan's here he's well. supporting both of us that's that's all <laughs> everybody hit the like button for us do yes. us a favor um we got some interesting talks uh topics to talk about this week lock we really do um jose aldo retires we've got the youngest kid to ever get signed to a ufc contract we had contenders fighting a couple weeks ago that now we got to know what these division shuffles look like going forward what where do you want to start lock what do you want to talk about first i think you know uh one of the featherweight goats gotta take the cake here right especially with him uh retiring um josie aldo i mean long illustrious career uh you know wec days the featherweight king down there um coming to the UFC, having his first fight against Mark Hominick at the same venue that I'm going to be going to see the weekend at tomorrow. His first ever fight in the UFC was at UFC 120. I believe it was UFC 129 against Mark Hominick, uh, coming into enemy territory and beating the hometown guy. Uh, and then obviously all the crazy other performances he had, that big win over Chad Mendes when kind of grabbed a cage defending the takedown and led that right into a knee on Chad Mendes's face. But then he sounds the crowd. He sends the crowd into a ruckus and jumps into the crowd and has a great time as well. Uh, so many memories, so many big fights. Um, yeah, man, it, it's, it's weird to see although hang it up the way that he did. Right. I really thought it would be a, you know, coming off a win, taking off the gloves in the cage, laying them down, having his speech in front of the crowd. But you know, Marab Dvalishvili, he spills the beans a little bit too early. And then on the day of him, uh, you know, and his wife giving birth to their first son, uh, he sends out an Instagram post to pretty much, uh, you know, give us the announcement. So uh, shout out to Josie Aldo. Great career. Goes down as, you know, top three featherweight fighters of all time, in my opinion. Uh, he's going to be missed. It's always it's always a fun time and always... Uh, you know, he, he's a guy that makes the stars starstruck. And that's something that John Anik always says as well, right? This is this is a guy that everybody looks up to. Uh, I'll quickly share one quick story about him, and then I'll flip it on over to you, Clint. Uh, one of the first events I worked with the UFC way back in the day was his first fight in the UFC against uh, Mark Hominick in Toronto here. And uh, there was one task that they wanted me to do during fight week, and it was to go around, find the fighters in the fighter hotel, and get them to sign some stuff for charity. And uh, Jose Aldo was one of the few guys, you know, 
he was cutting weight just as everybody else was. I believe this was on the Thursday, probably the day before the weigh-ins. And a lot of the fighters were just in bad moods. They didn't want to be around anybody. Sure. Uh, I went up to them and they're just like, you know, who the fuck are you? And I'm showing them my UFC badge and stuff, right? Like, I don't know who the hell you are. Um, and Jose Aldo was one of the few guys that like, oh yeah, of course, of course. And he's just, he signed multiple things for charity. Um, so great story. Um, you know, that was my one little interaction with Jose, got to shake his hand, talk to him uh, a little bit, obviously through a translator, but, uh, fun times, uh, and he's going to be missed inside the octagon for sure. What about yourself? What are your thoughts about, uh, Jose Aldo's career and retirement? You know, man, I'm a little bit bummed at the way it went down. Obviously the fight with Marab, I mean, it, it was time, right? It was time for Jose. He's going out on a half decent note. I don't want to say a good note because, you know, he's going out on a loss, but it's one of those situations where in MMA, we rarely ever see fighters retire at the right time. They come off getting flatlined two or three times in a row. It's a mercy killing. We just want them to hang it up because we're sick of seeing these legends lying on the canvas floor. I'm so happy that he went out when he did. He, we're not going to see him brutalized. We're not going to see another, you know, Piotr Yan round five TKO. I mean, honestly, I'm shocked at his last little run that he went on because after the Yan fight, I thought he was buried. I thought we were going to see two or three more performances like that, and it was just going to get ugly. So I'm very happy he had this little resurgence. I'm happy that he was able to lock some wins up. And then after a tough-fought, contested match with Marab, he understood that it was probably time for him to go ahead and dip out. And, and I'm bummed there wasn't a moment you know, when he did it, laid down the gloves in the cage. I'm bummed the crowd didn't get involved. And, you know, there wasn't a big Joe Rogan talk at the end of the the fight where he, you know, decided to hang it up. But I still think for him, he did it perfect, you know, for, for himself, for his family, for his team. Um, I think it, the timing was right. And I think it was good for him to walk out the way that he did. This man is an absolute legend and it'll never cease to bother me. The uh, Conor McGregor error MMA babies. <laughs> that oh, yeah. disrespect Jose Aldo constantly uh, because they do not know just how incredible he was in his prime. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, Chad Mendez knee because I was going to ask you, you know, what your favorite Jose Aldo finish was because that was mine. That was the one that always comes to mind to me. As soon as anyone talks about Jose Aldo, that's the the moment that pops into my brain is him flipping around and hitting Chad with that knee. And man, I I thought Chad was going to beat him. I called that one a fluke, and I was like, you know, you watch the rematch. Chad's going to go out there and wrestle him to death, and and he'll get his arm raised there. And he just whooped the guy again, except over 25 minutes this time. Like, Jose Aldo was unreal when he was at his peak. So uh, just grateful, just grateful for all the action that we got to have and, and see from him. So very happy for him to walk away without having additional damage taken or anything like that. Yeah, in regards to my favorite finish, um, you know, it's a toss-up between the Cub Swanson quick double knee right off the jump or uh, the Jeremy Stevens uh, knockout. If you remember that one, that was a beautiful body shot where he was able to cripple his opponent and obviously finish him. And if you remember, you know, he was the underdog going into that fight. You know, a lot of people were writing him off after those two losses to Max Holloway and thinking that Jeremy Stevens could go out there and replicate something similar. But uh, yeah, uh, oh, Jose Aldo turn the clocks back a little bit july 2018 that actually took place up in canada as well calgary alberta and he was able to go out there and get that win so that, that was, was probably one of my favorite one. ones that's the one yep the oh, body yeah. shot finished ko like i love me some body shot ko's clint you know this yes and uh yeah that was definitely a, a big one you know that one he followed that up with that big win over moicano then he goes on a losing streak of volkanovsky marais and jan like the guys that he's losing to are not bad guys right like like even though he went three and three and the marais one was a bad call the, the marais one close fight close close fight close could have gone either way for sure but the fact that he went three and three going down a weight class against high level guys pretty much the entire time just goes to show how skilled this guy actually was right everybody was writing him off when he, uh, they said he looks like skeletor on the scales trying to make weight against marlon marais's first fight at 135 pounds I know how hard it was for him to make 145 pounds, right? Like I saw him at 129 uh, struggling to make 145 pounds. And the fact that he made 135 the way that he did, very impressive, uh, you know, very good for his career. Uh, and I'm and like you kind of mentioned, I'm sad that the McGregor era of fans are never really going to know how good this guy was because all they remember is, you know, and I was at the fight as well uh, when McGregor knocks him out in 13 seconds. And that's the, all they'll likely remember for him. But pre connor era fans they know what's good they know they know aldo will always be a top three uh featherweight goat of all time for sure 
I think I that's kind of redundant to say, by the way. <laughs> if Tough. if there's if there's anybody that retires from the sport of mixed martial arts that has my blessing to go get paid in BKFC, it's Jose Aldo. <laughs> because <laughs> he's he's still got it man he's still got yeah. it enough he's got the pop in his punches that if he's not cutting down to 135 the durability isn't gone like he would kill some people over in the bkfc <laughs> yeah but like i i think he's made more than enough money not to mention he has a very successful fast food chain down there in brazil uh called uh, famous burgers so if anybody he finds himself in brazil He's good. He don't need that money. He's fine. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's some guys that are cut out for BKFC. Aldo's the kind of guy that would that would take that belt easy over there. <laughs> Dude, he, he could probably like keep fighting until he's like 45, knocking out those fools over there. Probably could. I mean, he's only 36. Like, that's the crazy that's thing, what right? I, he's been around I forever. Know. He's only 36. Insane. Like, there's a lot of guys that I'm just like, these guys, there's this guy must be 40. Like, gotta be 40. And then yep. you look at their thing and they're like, kidding me like even angela hill i feel like she was one that kind of surprised me in terms of how old she was compared to how old i thought she was right there's there's a lot of fighters that do that to you especially jose alda but uh i feel like we're like i don't know why but in the back of my head i just i feel like i want to say r.i.p jose aldo like but based on the way that we're talking about <laughs> gone it, like, yet <laughs> i know that's what i mean but it's just more so like a retirement talk but uh a retirement in peace or retire in peace on jose aldo uh we appreciate everything you did for the mma sport and uh what he did for those lower weight classes right like yep insane 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 he was a big uh, part of it speaking of lower weight classes and the last weight class that uh, jose aldo actually competed in 135 pounds had a big matchup, uh, which was the last event that we had. Corey Sanhagen goes out there and defeats Song Yadong uh, via a cut. You know, I, I watched that fight after the fact because I went to a wedding that night and I knew that the fight was going to finish based on how much time was left in the video that I was watching. Uh, but I'm like, when is it going to come? Okay, this is later rounds. It's probably going to favor Corey Sanhagen, right? And then I see that cut open up, I think, in the second round it was. And I'm like, oh, this it's probably going to get stopped due to this because it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you could see Song Yadong's fucking skull through that cut. I'm like, they got to stop this eventually. And eventually they did. But kind of unfinished business that they're eventually going to have to to shore up. Uh, and given how young they are as well, I think that this is a fight that we'll eventually see again down the road. Um but the scorecards, Clint, one judge had Corey up 3-1, and the other two judges had a 2-2 going into the final frame. That's what I mean by unfinished business. It could have gone either way, depending on how that round five went, because Song Yudong did not slow down the way that a lot of people thought he would going into those championship and main event rounds. So uh, what were your thoughts of the fight, the outcome, and uh, the fallout? Well, what are you thinking here? So I had a tough time with that one, Locke. I had a hard time picking a side on that one from a betting perspective. I kind of wanted to be on the song side, but I also felt like with the question surrounding the five-round experience and Corey's ability to control the range, like I, I didn't want to take a flyer on the dog kind of just because, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I ended up passing. When I was live over on Pub Sports Radio with the guys, you know, we were doing one of the bet casts. I threw some beer money on song in the under four and a half. So I went, you know, plus money, both sides, just, you know, hope one of them hits, come out in the profit, go, go buy myself a Coke after the show's over. <laughs> and I couldn't believe the scorecards. I actually had to look it up later on. Cause I was like, it was two to two going into that fourth round. I thought it was almost clear as day three to one Corey Sandhagen. And I mm. had a bet on song. You don't like, I was shocked that it was two and two going into the fourth lock, if I'm being completely honest. Now, we talked about this live on the show, and I think it was kind of a Jessica I, Maya type of situation where the head clash opened up the cut, and because of that, it looked like the opponent had, you know, done some damage and done done more in the fight. So I thought that the blood, the visuals, you know, song gushing out of his head, being able to see his skull, like I thought that would maybe sway the judges a little bit more. Rounds one and two were relatively close, in my opinion. So after kind of rethinking it, I can see where they got to two and two, but I was still a little surprised that it was two judges and not just one, you know, psychopath that was <laughs> scoring it tied up going into the fourth. It was a hell of a fight. Song Yudong really impressed me. He impressed me with the way he was able to hang in there. He was in the best shape of his life. He obviously is not going to have an issue going 25 minutes if that's something he's called to do on, which I'm sure he will be again very nearly in the future. 
I would love to see them run that fight back. What does that fight look like if uh, if Song is not bleeding from his head that way, if if he does not have that gash opened up that the entire crowd, everybody watching, just every time he gets hit in that same spot and it pulls open a little bit further. I, I think if they run that back in another year after a fight or two between them, I would love to see round two. I would love to see more of that fight. And I think it's it's almost assured that these two are going to run into each other again, like you mentioned, because they're both so young. They're both at the top of the division. Uh, I'm very excited for both guys. I think they've both got great futures ahead of them, and I can't wait. Deep callback to the uh, Jennifer Maya and Jessica I fight because I was on the Jessica I fight or side that uh, that night and uh, you know I think that 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 cut did have a lot to do with it but yeah you're right man like Song Yudong 24 years old or at least we think he is but if uh, Wikipedia is correct here uh, he'll be turning 25 in December and then on the flip side for Corey Sandhagen uh, I believe very young too yeah he's uh, he turned 30 this year so both these guys we know they have a, a solid amount of years still left in the game. Um, um, and with the way that uh, Song Yudong is progressing through his career, uh, he's only getting better. He's going to be staying at that top five to seven range for the next couple of years. And uh, yeah, they, they definitely will line this fight up. And the storyline is there, right? The fight was close. The judges had it even, all that type of stuff. Like the storyline is there. The fight was fun as well. Why not let them eventually run it back? Uh, but in terms of the immediate fallout, like right now, who do you match them up with next? What, what, what would you like to see? That is a great question. Let's look at the UFC Bantamweight division. Rankings up. Let's get the rankings up. Let's see what's going on here because uh, I'm curious what this division looks like. Obviously, we've got uh, TJ Dillashaw taking on Aljamain Sterling, and we've got Piotr Jan matched up with... uh, Number 12, Sean O'Malley. Number 12, Sean O'Malley. Talk about a jump there. Two fighting 12. Uh, Marlon Vera, I... Does he have a fight lined up at this point? I think he might be free. Marab just fought. Free. Jose Aldo retired. Rob Font, Ricky Simone. Hey, I would Cruz. love to see. I would love to see Corey Sattenhagen against Marlon Vera. Line that shit up. I like that. Corey Sattenhagen right? and Cheeto. It's four and five. That's a that's a great next title contender. You know, Corey Sattenhagen just put himself right back in the contender circle with that win over Song. Marlon Vera probably needs a fight. It's a fun stylistic matchup. And then, you know, whoever gets the, uh, the win out of Piotr Jan and, uh, oh, pains me to say it. Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, they're going to go ahead and give them the next title shot. More than likely you would think that's a title eliminator fight. So it's going to be curious, uh, what happens with TJ and Aljamain, but I think that's the fight to make Locke. I like that a lot. I think Corey versus Vera. And then honestly, Song versus font. Song versus Font. I was going to say Font or Marab. Marab probably doesn't want to take a step backwards, obviously, but everybody else is kind of tied up. He's going to have to wait for the dust to settle on one of these fights and take the winner. So, you know, I think you do Marab, Corey, or uh, Vera, Corey, Marab, and Vera. Those four, five, and six. We're going to have to round robin those guys at some point and match them up with each other to to go ahead and see what happens. And I don't hate... um, I don't hate the suggestion here to run it back with Dillashaw if he loses. You know, one mm. of these guys taking yeah. taking the loser of the uh, the title matchup, I think, is probably another good option as well. Yeah, I thought it's about time that we get one of these trolls out of here. I think that was the last kind of straw that I'm going to let him do. Hey, hey, I, I gave it. Well, we gave him rope. We gave him rope, but taking a little bit too far. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Dillashaw versus Corey. If Dillashaw ends up losing, is a great spot. But here's the here's the weird thing about the bantamweight division, right? The weird thing is, number three, Rob Davalashvili, right? We know he's not going to fight Aljamain Sterling. So he's pretty much like, you know, let's take a, a spot from a, a, or a phrase from Game of Thrones. He's like the king's hand, pretty much. He's just right there, just waiting uh, to, to turn back any opposition that isn't worthy of facing the king Aljamain Sterling at this point in time. Yep. So. You know, maybe in the back of Marab's head, he is the biggest TJ Dillashaw fan going into UFC 280, hoping that Dillashaw beats him. And then Marab will be like, hey, I want to avenge my brother. Let me go fight for the title and try to get that gold back to Sarah well, Longo. That's exactly what's happening. TJ Dillashaw is going to beat Aljamain Sterling. And then uh, so. they can go ahead and get the revenge angle here for Marab. I like it. Uh, but uh, wasn't there rumors about like Marab going down to 125 pounds? Like he's spoken about that, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I think they've actually flirted both with Marab going down and Aljo going up. I think they've kind of talked about both different angles on it, which honestly I don't hate. I mean, Aljo's a pretty big guy for the weight class. I know the weight cut is tough for him. He's He's got a big frame for the division. So if he can move up a weight class comfortably, I don't hate that. Marab, on the other hand, he's a little shorter, a little stockier. I don't know what a weight cut would do to him. You know, his legendary cardio is his biggest key to victory, his biggest tool. So I would hate for that to be something that gets damaged by a tough weight cut. But if he can manage it, then, you know, by all means, he would be a wrecking ball down a weight class. So, you know, tough decisions, man. That's when you get these two elite guys that are training partners. We saw that with uh, DC and Kane, and, and it always makes for interesting situations. So we'll see how this shuffles out with TJ and Aljo, and then they'll have to make some tough decisions after that point. Because if if Aljamain, ah, you know what? I was just going to say, I don't think Aljamain is going to get the immediate rematch. Do you? I don't think so. If he were to lose to TJ, does no, the UFC no, no, grant no. Why? Aljo a, Why? an immediate run back? It's like... <sighs> Like, I have a little bit of an issue with Glover even getting a, an immediate rematch, but given the fact that he's, like, fucking 72 years old, okay, I understand. That's that's And also the way the fight went. Yeah, and, of course, how the fight went. But, like, rematches should be for controversial split decisions, um, very fucking close fights, and uh, guys that have been holding on to the title for multiple years. Anderson Silva deserved an immediate rematch to Chris Weidman, right? Jose Aldo deserved an immediate rematch against Conor McGregor, and he was robbed of that shit. Um, you know, the list could go on uh, of guys that, uh, you know, Stipe Miocic should have got an immediate title shot as well, considering he held the record for most title defenses from an heavyweight, pretty much, right? Aljo just won the title. We don't need to see him back in there getting a, an immediate title shot, uh, you know, should he lose against Dillashaw, right? Like there are, especially in a, in a division like Bantamweight, where we have so many big, uh, you know, names, some big prospects, guys on the rise. Like we don't want this logjam at that top five uh, range uh, holding up that title. Like it happened with lightweight for way too long, right? With the whole Conor McGregor fiasco. And, you know, it, it was just too much. We need to see the the fluidity of the division and let these guys get their chances. TJ Dillashaw's up next. Marab possibly after that if Aljo loses. You know, the there are a lot of other guys that are knocking on the door of that top five, uh top ten that are eventually going to need a, a title shot as well, right? Ricky Simone, mm -hmm. Song Yadong when he comes back and gets a couple more wins. Uh Adrian Yanez is on the rise as well, right? He's number 14 now. Sean O'Malley if he beats Piotr Young. Like Umar and Omar Gamedov, let's not forget Give me about Simone Umar. versus O'Malley luck. Give me Simone versus O'Malley. I want it. That would be great. That would be great. I want it. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov, though, right? I feel like people are not talking about him enough. This kid is minus 1,200 every fucking time he fights. Yeah. And he's just not getting enough love to be like, hey, this guy could be next for bantamweight. But that just tells you how fucking stacked bantamweight is because there's so many guys at the top already. Bantamweight's insane. Bantamweight is absolutely insane and uh aiden asking what does cheeto have to do to get a title shot i think he's one win away if i'm being he's, honest he's one win away yes, i think he's like, one win yeah. away and honestly Corey, man Corey if, and if something happens with tj and aldo and it gets you know bumped or something like that i would love to see them run back o'malley vera i want to see them rematch that fight i want to see sean o'malley and, and cheeto run it back so I don't know who's going to get to the title shirt, uh, shot first. It's probably going to be O'Malley just because that's the way things seem to go. Um, but I, I want to see that fight ran back. I mean, it'll be interesting. Okay, how do you see Jan and O'Malley playing out? I mean, Piotr Jan is a huge favorite in that fight. Do you think that Sean O'Malley, as a massive underdog, maybe one of the only times he's been a massive underdog, uh, does it make sense here? Does he have more of a shot than maybe the bookmakers are, are giving him credit for? I think so. I, I honestly think so, but I just can't bring myself to actually betting that number myself. Um, the the X factor here is Piotr Jan's approach. Like, is he going to look to take O'Malley to the ground? Because O'Malley could just stay on the outside and just kick him and stay active enough and just inch uh, each round ahead of him. Like, it's absolutely possible. You know, that's the angle that I used when I backed Aljamain Sterling in the first fight is that Jan just gives away the first couple of rounds because he's just a little bit too lackadaisical, mm -hmm. right? He he was giving away rounds to Jimmy Rivera, but he just so happens to clip him with 10 seconds left in the first and second rounds that he ends up winning the, that fight because of that. 
But like, if he doesn't get those knockdowns, things get hairy, right? Corey Sandhagen, another one, but like he just gets stronger and stronger as the fight goes on, and then he starts to take over. But that's the caveat in this fight, right? It's a three round fight. Jan has to go right away, otherwise he can slowly let this fight slip through his fingers because O'Malley's just staying a little bit more active. The way you nullify that is taking this guy to the ground. We know O'Malley is likely weakest when he gets his uh, uh, gets taken to the ground, and we know Jan has that you know heavy ground and pound game that he can implement on his opponents should he love to take them to the ground. But at a minus four hundred clip, we don't know if we can trust him to go out and do that because historically speaking, that's not his style. So are we going to try to bank on a minus 400 favorite that just so happens to let uh, fights slip through their fingers? I don't know, man. I, I, I won't be batting an eye at anybody that's going to take a shot on Sugar Sean uh, in, in that fight, especially at those odds. You know, I, I don't hate it. My big question is whether or not Sean O'Malley can actually KO Piotr Jan because I think that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, Aljo was able to grease out a split decision using using a grappling heavy control style that nobody had really approached Piotr Jan with before. The back take, the the body triangle. Obviously, that's not something that we expect Sean O'Malley to be able to do. And it's going to be a striking match. My wonder is, uh, do we see the durability concerns pop back up? Does Sean O'Malley have enough power to take out someone who's made out of granite like uh, Piotr Jan is? How's he going to hold over a 25-minute fight with someone like Jan who may be a better leg kicker than Marlon Vera is? I don't. It's going to be a tough fight, man. That's going to be a really tough fight. Even if Jan does take those first couple of rounds off, does Sean O'Malley really fight with the uh, intensity to steal those away? Because you think about O'Malley's first last couple of fights. His first couple of rounds have also yeah. kind of Munoz gone fight. out the window. I mean, people yeah. people don't want to talk about it, but Pedro Munoz won round one against Sean O'Malley in their last fight. He is also very lackadaisical. He plays with his food. That was something, especially when he fought, you know, these lower level guys like uh, Thomas Almeida and stuff that I was worried that he wouldn't even get the finish. Everyone's laying even money to take this minus 600 favorite inside the distance. And sometimes it looked like he wasn't going to get the finish because he was more than willing to to play around and let him get back up and show boat. And that's just kind of what he does. He could just as easily slip away a round or two to Jan, which is not what usually happens. Jan is the one letting those rounds slip away. O'Malley might be the one letting rounds slip away in this fight, man. I don't know. It's, it's extremely interesting to me. Um, I want to just pile loads of money against Sean O'Malley, but it's hard to do at minus 400 lock. It's hard to do at minus 400. <laughs> I, th I think we, we've gotten to the bottom of it here, Clint, in regards to just pass on the fight. Like the, I don't think there's just enough value on either side. We know everybody and their mother would likely be parlaying Piotr in this spot because they just look at the narratives that are built here. Piotr is a fucking monster and a killer. And Sugar Sean is a guy that may not be worthy of fighting a guy like Pyorion. So ultimately people are just going to bet Pyorion there, but you know, it, it's never that easy. You know what I mean? The, the, we've, we've seen countless big favorites over the last several weeks, um, you know, go out there and, and, and shit the bed and shout out to the, the guys that go out there and make multiple YouTube accounts to just try to talk shit, like get a fucking life. You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all are hilarious. Hilarious. Appreciate you guys spending your Wednesday evening with us. Uh, just to you know get a comment or two that people won't give a fuck about either. And it's pretty clear that it is the same person on multiple accounts, Clint. Jesus. No. And hey, you get way more live viewers than I normally do, like on my live <laughs> shows. So I can only imagine the shit that you have to deal with uh when you're doing your pub sports radio shows. It's so funny, Locke. They're they're my biggest fans. That's all it comes down to. You just got to let it roll off and be like, man, this is literally my most dedicated fan of all time. I don't know anybody else who loves watching me quite as much. So uh, I just appreciate them being here. That's all it comes down to. So uh, you know, Usually uh, we, we, we roll past that type of stuff, but I, just, I, need to, I need to just like bravo to you, sir. How many email accounts do you need to have to have so many different fucking, uh, you know, accounts to go on just to talk shit and then just quick get quickly blocked it's Bravo. a full-time job Bravo. It's not to mention coming on our gig. deadlock podcast channel as well <laughs> you know what i mean like whatever it is what it is <laughs> shout out to that guy fucking poor son of a bitch now i will you know what it's funny though because the the one comment that actually got me was uh when he said that i was just jealous of sean o'malley's hair and i was like 
Maybe. It's like, okay. All right. You got Hello, You got darkness, me. Like, my own friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Aiden Simone saying, Frio, a holy so many no life trolls. It's not so many. It's likely just one person. <laughs> there we go. Yes. 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 Tristan saying, you know, they are released out when they can't contain themselves. Don't tap podcasting. Remarkable that people. The people that give Clint engagement online benefiting him only to talk shit nonstop. Go start your own channel and make picks. See how well you do. Bingo. That's why I love my guy. Don't tap podcast. I just appreciate the engagement. Helps the algorithm. Keep it coming. It's so true. They never understand that. (laughs) Like you're helping. You are. That's why I just let them go. It's like, go ahead. I have like, I've got, I've got a six year old daughter. Ignoring nonsense (laughs) comes with the territory of being a parent. Sometimes you just got to be like, no, like I'm not. I'm just not gonna respond to that. <laughs> oh, hey, there's another one. You Bye. just let it roll. You just <laughs> let it roll. Hilarious. Uh, so let, let's let's actually just take this comment from Aiden Simone saying, "Clint, that Brazilian dude on Contender Series was literally uh, looked so identical to you." Uh, shout out to my uh, guy. He shared Jacoby. Doesn't cash the underdog ticket, but definitely gives us a storyline in terms of looking like my guy Clint over there. That might be the closest one, right? People have said Anthony Smith. People have said yep. Ben Rothwell. This one, the chin strap, everything. On oh, right there. the fact that he even like weighed in with his glasses on, done. <laughs> it it was it was scary because everyone was tagging me in it and stuff, and I was like, oh shit! Like he actually <laughs> does look like I I can get the Ben Rothwells, my dad, you know Brian Kelleher's yeah. my my brother, and you know all that stuff. Like it's like oh, okay, yeah, I see it. It's close. It was, this guy though it was like shit. <laughs> and the, when I made the facial expression, our mouths made the same like slight <laughs> downturn, like. Like, all right, this is a little creepy. I, I had some fun with it though, man. Changing the changing the profile picture, and everyone got a kick out of it. Uh when he when he took that cup shot in round one, and I said, Ow, my balls, like that. That, Bro, tweet blew that was up. hilarious. Uh somebody <laughs> sent that in my 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 Discord as well. Like, as soon as you made that, I missed it on the actual <laughs> timeline, but somebody sent it into my Discord. I'm like, oh, of course, hilarious, fucking hilarious. Dude, it, okay, you want to hear a good one? I think I got poor Jeff Molina. I no. think I got my boy. Now, what do you mean? I love Jeff Molina. Everybody knows this. I'm Ella his Hefe. biggest fan. I think the kid's on a rocket ship. He's going places. But <laughs> I didn't mean to troll him in any way. But the UFC put out the tweet about, like, who's going to be in the next, you know, UFC video game? And and we're both, you and I both were actually going to war for yeah. Jeff. But yeah. I replied to Jeff's tweet. And I was like, Dana, you better put my boy Jeff in the game. And he replied back to me and he was like, thanks a ton, bro. I hope you get the contract. I was like, oh, no, he thinks I'm actually the guy. Wait, what if what if he was just playing the game, too, though? How do you know I'm that hoping, he thought you were the guy? I'm hoping that he was just playing the game, Locke, but he hasn't responded since. So I think I think he was like he thought he was getting the rub from like a fellow fighter. And I was like, oh, man, now I feel bad. Like, just my guy. I don't want to troll Jeff. That's my bad. <laughs> I love me some Molina. Hopefully they're the ones that put him into the game. We'll find out next week. I believe Dana said after the 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 last one wraps up, they're gonna announce who it is. It's gotta be Jeff, right? I think somebody threw out Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill deserves to be in the game as well. I I agree. But Jeff Molina might be one of the more popular guys to come out of that show. Would you not agree? No, I absolutely I agree. There's there's a couple of people that you're like, ah, eh, we might not see them in the UFC in, in two fights, and you don't need to worry too much about them. But guys like Jamal Hill, guys like Jeff Molina, it's like they're gonna be here. They're sticking around. Put them, put their asses in the game. I absolutely think that's the move, but uh it's probably just gonna be Bo Nickel. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? God damn. Um he's gonna be well, in the game I- before he gets a contract lock. It's gonna <laughs> that's gonna set the record, is how that's gonna go. <laughs> for sure uh I, i'm glad that we talked about the contender series because that will pretty much go on to the the last topic that we want to talk about here raul rosas jr 17 year old phenom out of mexico now out of las vegas um gets gets the dub yesterday and gets signed to the ufc youngest fighter in the ufc he is going to be 18 years old in two and a half weeks so i hate to burst people's bubbles and keep saying he's a 17 year old but that won't be for much longer um thoughts on his performance thoughts on his potential let me hear it so before the fight started i know a lot of people made a lot of money back in him the other night and that's great i'm happy for everybody but i tweeted out that there is such a big difference when these fighters get their man strength 
you know, it comes around that 23 to 25 age, something happens to your muscle density and you suddenly upgrade to man strength and you are just so much stronger than you were a couple of years ago. It's a legit thing that happens to us. And especially at 17 years old, like I remember being 17 lock. I was oh, I saw that picture. I saw yeah, that I picture. tweeted, I tweeted the picture out. Y'all <laughs> forgot. You didn't know I had a jawline under this beard. I'm hiding the bad boy. Um, I was I played football. I was a starter on the football team. I did track and field. I wrestled a couple of years before that. And then, of course, after I graduated high school, I, I did jujitsu and had some success there. So I've been relatively athletic until I had my daughter my entire life. And there is something about challenging your dad, right? Like when you have the opportunity to, to wrestle with your dad, when the chips are down, he always gets you. Like I remember that was always the thing. My dad told me when I was in high school, he would pay me a hundred bucks my senior year. If I could out bench him lock. Wow. And sure enough, I did. I, I beat him by five pounds. My senior year of high school, I was able to beat my dad bench pressing pure weight by five pounds. And he still was able to kick my ass wrestling. And it was just because <laughs> when shit got serious, that man strength makes a difference. Now this kid was phenomenal. He was in crazy good shape. He had some awesome moves on the ground. The transitions were there, but he was also a little wild and a little sloppy on the feet. He also fell off and made mistakes when he was on the back and, and played from his back and relied on scrambles to get back up to his feet. There's bigger, more established UFC-level guys that would have made him pay for those mistakes. On the yeah. Contender Series, he got away with it. But we just saw Zill Huber make his transition to the UFC, and he got he got outworked. He got beaten by a guy that's been around the block once or twice. So I was a little concerned that this kid just wasn't quite ready to be there. Now, he, he proved me wrong, essentially. He showed me he's worthy of a contract. But Chase Hooper, the guy everybody, they're comparing him to, is another perfect example, Locke. Chase Hooper came off the Contender Series with hype. And that kid is built like a wet noodle. He does not have the man strength that you need to survive in the UFC. He's starting to get it. In his last fight, he showed some tenacity. He showed some, you know, he showed he's working on that physicality. He was able to pull some moves that a year or two he might not have been able to. So I just have my questions. I just have my concerns. If this kid, especially with my Dana White Contender Series fade betting angle, if he rolls into the UFC as a big favorite in his next fight lock, we are smashing the hell out of a fade. I think he's going to be a problem moving forward. I really do. At 17 years old, I can't imagine the talent, the ceiling that this kid has but they better work him slow. They better not dare until this kid, because if they pull a dare until on this kid and rush him into the deep end, I mean, Hamzat just ran into a roadblock when he fought Gilbert Burns. We all thought he was going to smash everybody in the top five, pump the brakes. It takes time. He's only 18 years old. So I'm very excited for this prospect. Very, very excited, but I'm also going to be watching those betting lines very, very closely because I think he's going to drop a couple L's on his way to the top just because he got here way too early. I, I think the, the comparison to Chase Hooper is, is fair, but I think that this kid is, is another level compared to Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper was a great jujitsu player for sure. Right? Like that's kind of why everybody was hyped on him. This nerdy looking kid that just is able to wrap guys up in pretzels. Okay. Makes sense. But the way that Rosas Jr. is able to get these guys down, close that distance, and use his wrestling, I think his wrestling is much better than Chase Hooper. That's why I think this kid is going to be more successful. And it just the way he smoothly transitions from one position to the other, whether it's his, you know, uh, getting mount and then the guy giving up his back, the guy's right on, uh, right on his back. And then when the guy rolls back over to try to, you know, buck into to half guard or something like that, he just smooths, smoothly transitions right back into full mount, right? That's the difference here. What I would like to compare him to, I think his 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 floor is Patchy Mix. If you guys remember Patchy Mix, Bellator fighter on a crazy run, strangling dudes left and right. Very very impressive fighter. Uh, then he fought Juan Archuleta, and Juan Archuleta just clowned on him because Patchy Mix was not able to get the fight to the ground. I think that we can put Rosas Jr. up against a top twenty guy. And I think he can be competitive because that style that he has is very hard for a lot of people to keep up with. And keep up with is the key, key word here because this kid's cardio for 15 minutes looks very good. 
Because he's still going out there and getting these positions, getting out of bad positions. Like, I can't think of many fighters that could keep up with that type of pace and that type of pressure. So he might be able to just go out there and wear these guys down and eventually open up a submission opportunity. It didn't happen against Mando Gutierrez, but I think with more polishing and more experience that we're going to continue to see that ex evolution out of Raul. And I think just based on his dominance and being able to get the fight to where he needs it to, that just makes him so much higher of a prospect than what Chase Hooper was or than what Patchy Mix was because this kid looks fucking good and he's getting in proper training now, moved over there to Las Vegas. I'm not sure exactly if he's going to be aligning with a specific gym, but we know that he's getting in good roles and good training sessions with high-level guys that pretty much train out of uh, uh, out of Extreme Couture, Syndicate MMA, all those gyms there. So um, this might be the best prospect to come out of the contender series just based on his fighting style alone, right? What are the other big names that come out, that, that come to mind for you? Jamal Hill on the cusp of the title shot, but like, you know, he's taking an L and well, he's taking a, I think, is it just one now? Going to take I think one it was out? just the one, right? The submission the loss. Craig. Yeah. Um, but like in the dom, like Jamal Hill is having not dominant fights like Raul Raul has been showing in his first couple fights, but well. we gotta see him as he starts taking as he starts taking steps up in competition. Though I'm sure it's going to start to look a little bit closer, but he could come out as being one of the best prospects to ever come out of the contender series just based off his uh, his style. Um, anything else you want to add on Raul? Otherwise, we can transition to something else. But there is something that I quickly want to show people before we do move on. I'm just excited. No, man, I, I threw a yeah. tweet out right after the fight, and I was like, congratulations, Mexico. You have a Chimaev. And yeah. then I did quotations, and I was like, in a few years. Like, <laughs> I, I'm high on the kid, too. I think he's going to be spectacular. But we all know how these athletes go, Locke. Anything can happen, right? He's got to find the right gym. He's got to have a continued work ethic. He's got to stay healthy. Like, he's 17 years old. There's so much road ahead. I'll be very, very curious to see how he does, and, and I'm pulling for him. Uh, I guess I can just end the segment off with one last thing here. Shout out to our guy, Yanni the Greek, giving us this gem from the show. That's a problem. Finish this. Finish this. Bro, I want to clip the finish this and make it like <laughs> my text tone or some shit like that or make it something to do with my ringtone. It was so good. So freaking hilarious. Probably one of my favorite things that I saw. And then I had to come up with this gem after uh, uh, Yanni went out there and just completely swept the board, taking a little bit of, from the uh, Porky's Revenge poster. I had to go out there and make a Yanni's Revenge poster as well. But shout out to our guy, Yanni. I know you have a little bit of a relationship with him as well, myself as well. I've been on his show. He's been on my show. Um, he gets way too much flack, right? And I'm glad that we're seeing a couple of the guys in the community kind of giving him props and be like, hey, you know, this this is hard to do. This is you're being put on a in a in a tough spot and to to try to seek value as best as you can, especially on a lot of lines that have moved tremendously uh, by the time you actually go live on the contender series. It's tough to do. So I'll never badmouth Yanni. Like that guy's uh, a very cool dude, a very good dude in my opinion. Um but I, I I know he was waiting for a night like last night. I know it. I know it. <laughs> he he absolutely needed a night like last night, Locke. And and you hit the nail on the head, man. That that guy gets way too much flack. Yeah. He is so kind and so generous. He's come on both of our shows. He's willing to give up his personal time for guys that you know. When he started coming on my show, Locke, I was nothing. I, I mean, I, yeah. I still am nothing. But I <laughs> shut was up, shut up. Not if deserving. you're nothing, I am not even a thought. <laughs> I'm just way. saying, I was not deserving at all of a guy like Gianni, yes, who's got yes, a yes. lifetime of experience, who is literally working with the UFC as their sponsored gambler. Like, he had no reason to come on my show, and the man donated his time. So, like, while <laughs> shout out Paul Shag, the memes are hilarious. <laughs> I love the it. memes love are it. so good, yeah. but. Out of respect for Gianni, I will not take part in the memeing yeah. of Gianni. I'm having a rough year myself. And, and let me tell you, being on a podcast my size, it's tough enough in the community yes. when you're on a losing skid like I am. Being on the nationally televised program, being right there, giving the picks to everybody watching the sport and then going on a run, folks, that's rough. That is hard to do. 
and I'm so happy he got a win under his belt. And not only a win, but swept the damn board. And I am so grateful that we caught the hot, uh, the hot mic because <laughs> that's how I sound every night. Every <laughs> single fight. like that's, I'm like, let's go, baby. Let's finish it. Get it done for me. Like I do the same thing. So it was just another humanizing element for Johnny that I'm like, yes, he roots the same way I do when he's got a bet on a fight that made me, I, I love it. It just endears me even that much more towards him. <laughs> well, when I, when I shared that clip to my discord channel, I'm like, Yanni is letting his D-Gen show. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, Hey, tuck away the D-Gen a little bit, but I'm like, no, let it fucking show, especially, yep. you know, the, the rough run that he was on and, and to, you know, sweep the board the way that he did fucking have at it. Yanni have at it. Shout out to our guy, Yanni for sure. Agreed, man. Agreed. All right, let's do a let's do a quick uh, fighter stonks check in here and uh, see how our stonks are doing and if there's anything that we actually want to look at for the upcoming card, uh, which is next week, Yan Nan against Mackenzie Dern. So let's get into some fighter stonks. All right, Clint. As most people know, this is a bi-weekly segment there we do here let me just get the uh the nice little ticker there going uh make sure you guys use the promo code lock whenever you guys sign up for prediction strike and they will give you a free fighter stock with a deposit of 20 dollars or more so make sure you guys go check them out they are pretty much the stock market for um for sports you know whether it's uh mma whether it's the nfl uh, sorry. Yeah, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the MLB, whether it's the NBA, they got you covered. So I'll I'll quickly pull mine up here and get started here. Uh, I just want to quickly look down at uh, one of the last stocks that I got was Abus Magomedov. It's been a couple of weeks, Clint, but good lord, did he go out there and show out against Dustin Stoltzfus? He was my lock of the night play that night. I believe you dropped the hammer on him as well, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he came through for us. He's only gone up one cent since I've purchased him, but at 75 cents, if you still haven't got on the Abus Magomedov train, this is the the time. You get in before he gets to a dollar, and you reap the benefits as he starts to work his way up that, I believe, middleweight division, if I'm not mistaken. Also, uh, I had one more guy on my squad here. Ah, Iwan Kutalaba going out there. Shit in the bed once again. Clint, the 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 trust and the love in Iwan Kutalaba, it's over. I'm I'm trying taking, to warn you. I, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. I lost 59 cents on it. All in all, you know. Bye bye. Bye bye, Iwan. I apologize, but he's not he's likely not getting any more dubs in here. So I had to get rid of him there, as you guys saw. Uh, I believe there was one more guy that I wanted to get rid of. Um, well, Hamza Chmaev actually just fought as well. He's still only gone up about 11 cents since I purchased him. He was my first ever purchase as well. Uh, but being on the shelf for a while, only having the two fights this year, as you guys can see, he's had a bit of a, you know, a rise up. This was the night that he beat, uh, Burns, but then he had a ton of canceled fights sitting on the shelf for so long, slowly got back down. Um, but I'm sure that we'll eventually see his price go back up as he continues to be more active. Hopefully he gets back into the cage by February at the latest. Nasruddin Imovov was uh, in action against Joaquin Buckley. He's gone up a solid 9% since I purchased him. Very happy with how he's uh, coming along. Solid performance against Joaquin Buckley. Manol Firo fighting in a couple weeks. She's going up against Catlin and Still considering whether I should take my $0.63 cents of profit and and walk away and uh, get, get juked to in train but we'll see how that goes uh and i believe that was the gist of it clayton rodriguez i believe he's fighting uh vinicius uh vinicius salvador contender series uh signee in the next couple months so i'll be keeping my eye on that moves are evil have rumored to be fighting bryce mitchell which should heavily impact his price as well should that fight go down mccausch gamrod fighting at ufc 280 as well a ton to love uh in terms of the portfolio I already have looking quickly at the um the upcoming fights that we have next weekend with the Dern and uh Yanjo Nan fight not too much standing out to me in terms of somebody that I want to hop in on and try to take advantage of their low price I'm I think I'm gonna sit pat here Clint I think I'm just gonna sit pat and and just see how that event rolls through so 
I'll swing it on over to you in case there's anything that you want to sell, buy, anything you want people to look at. But again, make sure you guys check out Prediction Strike and, and play along with us as well uh, and, and try to make some money of your own. Absolutely. So let's take a look at my stable here. I have Marab, who's looking pretty damn good coming off that last win. We talked about my boy Jeff Molina. I am invested, him and Jamal Hill, maybe my top three favorite stonks that I've purchased right there. Uh, I've got Aaron Blanchfield, who, uh, unless I'm mistaken, is going head-to-head with one of my other Ooh, stocks. Yes. Because I also <laughs> happen to have Miss Molly McCann lock. So gonna, I have a very one tough, of very tough decision to make there because uh, even though this, you know, this is a stock market, folks, you got to pay a little service fee for when a fighter's stock is traded, either purchased or sold. Is it worth it for me? in the long run to sell one of those stocks and then try to buy it back and, and avoid the, uh, the downswing, or do I just hang on to both and hope that the long-term correction gets it done for me? And, and it ends up working out in the long term because I do think both of them are going to get matched up favorably moving forward. So I don't know. I got to figure out what I'm going to do there. Cause that's a bit of a tough spot there for me. How much of a, how much of an increase have you gotten on Molly McCann since you purchased her? You know what? That is a good question. Let's check both here real quick. So Blanchfield, I am up 21%. That's just 24 cents. Um, the way that we, you know, do the game is we're doing essentially one stock at a time. Um, so if I were to go ahead and, you know, pay the fee on it or whatever, <laughs> I'd, I'd be losing a couple cents there to sell out on that. Molly McCann has gone up 17 cents. And as you can see, their prices are not that far apart, 135 to 147. So whoever wins realistically it's not going to get you know a giant bump for their uh for their value so it's an interesting spot for me they've both been profitable i think long term they both could have some upside it's interesting to me that blanchfield is the big favorite but she's going to be cheaper uh on prediction strikes so definitely some some things that we can maybe work with there i don't know i'm gonna have to figure out what to do because i could sell on molly mccann take the 22 cents profit and bounce uh, because you know everybody thinks Blanchfield is probably going to go ahead and get the win here, but Blanchfield also showed some very concerning things in her last fight, and Molly McCann is a better wrestler than people give her credit for. So I'm not sure that I necessarily want to do that because long term, I think Blanchfield has the higher ceiling. She is the better prospect. She will be the overall better fighter. But right now, if Molly McCann can sprawl and brawl, this fight gets very interesting, Lock. Very very interesting. So I'm not sure that I want to sell just yet. Um, I will sell, I think, on my guy, Chaos Ooh. Williams. Um, I like Chaos. I'm taking my L here. I lost 21 cents, 18% on this one. I think Chaos Williams has an exciting future. I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch fight in the UFC going forward. But I'm not so sure that he's got that long-term high side. I'm not sure that I'm ever going to turn this 95 cents into a $4 winner so I think I'm going to, you know, I'm running a little low. I spread out on prediction strike when you and I got the game set up. So I'm going to take back some of my cash there. And I was looking at Charles Johnson. I do think I'm going to hang on to him simply because of the low price on the buy-in here. He's only 56 cents. People expect nothing from this guy. His first fight was Umar, and he's obviously much, much better than that. So I fully expect him to gain some value going forward. He's going to beat some people uh, that people don't necessarily see coming in his next couple fights, in my opinion. So I will go ahead and hang on to he Charles Johnson. He does have John. a fight coming up, I believe, right? Did they schedule him already? Yeah, let me just pull that up here real quick, but I'm pretty sure I saw him on the schedule. Uh, he is scheduled to go up against Zalgas Zumagulov in November. Ooh, I like that. So there you go. It's a good okay. matchup. Well, let's see what... Uh... Shumagulov is that? Zalgas. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just curious. 67 oh, cents. Geez, 60, that doesn't help me at all. All right, never no. mind. <laughs> so what we're looking at here, and I was tempted on Guram. I'm still not sure what to do on Guram. I've taken a slight L on Guram here in this investment. He's been in two very, very close fights against two very high-level guys. Yeah. I think this is a stock that long-term will end up turning a profit, so I'm not going to take my L and walk away with it. I am going to just sit on this one because – He's gonna win one of these split decisions <laughs> against one of these top level guys. <laughs> I'll I'll get that back. It'll come my way here, you know, eventually. Um, so now that I've got a little wiggle room lock, I think I'm going to purchase the baby shark. Oh, that's the one I was thinking about as well. But I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit pretty, and of course, you jump in when you get a chance. 
Yep. So I'm going to steal your opportunity here. I'm going to buy a stonk in Tabitha Ricci, the baby shark herself. I think she gets it done. I think she's a talent. I think she's going places. So uh, welcome addition to my stable of, of young fighters, Lock. And then the other one I was looking at was Beast Boy, Mike Davis. Oh, wow. Dollar Except one cent? Jeez. he has a very tough fight in Slava Claus. That's going to be such a fun fight to watch. I am super high on Mike Davis. He's been gone for way too long. I've been waiting for him to get his ass back in the cage. I guess there were some issues with the UFC matchmakers, um, things like that. So I, I yeah, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm not going <laughs> to buy him because I, I would need to sell somebody in order to buy him, but I wanted to touch on him as a potential investable spot for people who may be you know, watching the show or depositing mm, and getting going in the, in the first place. And the other stock that I just want to dump all my entire investment in my boy, the boa, Alexi. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's uh, he's old. Long he's term. 40, let's go, baby. He's 48 years old, so you're not going to get much out of my boy, Alexi. But everybody knows <laughs> I, I love the boa, so I, I just had to go ahead. Can and you throw can him you quickly there. check the price on Alir Latifi? Let's see. Uh, like Can't maybe there game. might be some short term uh, upside here by by taking Alexi. Uh, you know, yeah, you Latifi's can get a cheaper. okay return if you do do the quick uh, short-term thing here on olinic but yeah it won't be a whole lot yeah no it's there's not much to be had there in my opinion realistically he's only gonna fight i shit at this point he might fight for another 15 years but he's gonna be fighting these these super low caliber guys so he's never really gonna get much of a bump in price so as much as i love my guy olinic in prediction strike stay away from from alexi olinic he's not gonna do anything there for you uh but i do have guys like umar i've got andre fialio i've got tetsu tayara i've got chase hooper i got my girl sam hughes everybody's booked these uh young impressive <laughs> fighters have fights coming up that i am looking forward to i think my uh stable as a whole is going to be headed in the right direction here pretty quickly yeah we uh i think we're pretty much scheduling this to go to the end of the year and then we'll kind of reassess how we want to do it but uh yeah excited to see how they pan out over the next couple months all right let's get to well actually let's just give prediction strike one more shout out here again if you do want to play along with us on the you know, sports stock market, the only one out there. Make sure you guys check out predictionstrike.com. I did see a question in, in regards to uh, whether they're in Canada. They are not in Canada as of yet, but from everything that I've heard, uh, everything uh, that they're trying to open up in more countries by the end of the year. So keep your eyes tuned. We'll obviously share that news with you guys whenever we find out. But as of right now, they should only be available in the States. So if you are in the States and you want to get signed up, Check out predictionstrike.com. Use the promo code LOCK and they will hook you up with a free fighter stock or even a uh, player stock, right? Football, basketball, baseball, like I was mentioning earlier. If you like those sports a little bit more, you can invest on one of those players as well uh, and you will get one free stock with a deposit of $20 or more. So take full advantage of that while you guys can. All right, let's wrap this thing up with one last segment, Clint. Let's get to uh, the, the segment I've been waiting for for the past three weeks, hmm. the deadlock duel. It is the deadlock duel. And I don't have the total in front of me here, Clint, because I'd have to do the math. But I know for damn sure I definitely won. Because I remember that the last time we spoke about it, um, you're taking Hail Marys on Ty Tuivasa and Marvin Vittori. <laughs> he almost did it, Locke. He almost did it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it didn't come out for you is all I'm going to say there. But uh, I do win the third quarter of the deadlock duel. Clint still is up 2-1 in terms of beating me on more quarters than I have beaten him. But that means that Clint is going to have to pay up. And a little bit short notice on, on this episode here, so I'm not going to uh, fault him for it. But probably the next time you guys see us, Clint will be paying up in, uh, you know, a similar type of spot as I was uh, with my power hour that I did for the last two quarters. If you guys remember, I was taking a shot of beer every two minutes uh, during the episode 
and we're going to try to figure out a way to do the same thing here for Clint. But I think we're going to try to do fireballs instead. Not every two it's minutes, though, but... Obvious that I will die <laughs> on camera if I'm doing fireball every two two minutes with it. So we're going to figure out the timing of it. But yeah, I'll be doing shots of fireball uh, for our next show as my punishment. I will do my power hour as punishment. Lot got me back. And uh, I'm still disappointed that you didn't take the... Uh, the double or nothing. Fuck I mean, I would have no, lost it. Clint. But the, nah. but the I worked up there. too big of a lead there to, <laughs> to try to give you a shot in one night. No, hell no. You stomped on my neck those first two quarters. I'm going to do the same thing to you. I had to take here. my chance. And yes, by the way, I do just want to tip my cap here. Uh, the chat is correct. I'm mixing up my Russian phenoms. Charles Johnson fought uh, Mohammed Mokayev, uh, not Umar Nurmagomedov. So apologies for the mix-up, but yeah. Uh, so I owe you a power hour. Absolutely. You owe me a power hour, and hopefully it's going to be the next episode. And obviously we'll blast it out on the social medias. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, looking forward Maybe to that. Maybe we should but... play just a full episode of Let's Get Deep while I'm doing my power hour so that the, the responses are just like slow. You know, you, you can chunk, chunk out like every time I do a shot, you like ask a question and then like you switch from – you know, easier to medium to worse. And you know what I mean? Like as the drunker I get, that's the harder. I the like it. <laughs> I like it. We're going to, we're going to find out a whole lot about Clint. If this is the way that we go about it. Why didn't I come up with that idea for you? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> Maybe we'll do it the next time I lose. We'll, we'll do it that way as well. But I think that's a great fucking idea. I think that is a great concept. And I think we should get some solid giggles out of it as well. So um, yes, I, I take down the third quarter of the deadlock tool, but that means that we're getting started on the fourth quarter of the deadlock tool. And between now and the next time we do an episode, there's only one event like the aforementioned uh, segment we spoke about the Yan Zhaonan versus Mackenzie Dern card, which goes down uh, October 1st. So, as the rules kind of state here, we go uh, main event fighter as well as one somebody else on the main card as well, you know. How how should we go in terms of the order here? Should we do winner 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 gets uh, the start, or should the loser get the the head start here? You wanna you you wanna get first first dibs on your fighters? Uh, yeah, go I think a uh, loser probably should go first. I think all all fair and love. I'm and fine with that. I'm fine with that as long as we stick with that at moving forward. But yeah, go for it. Who, I think is that not how we did it the last couple times? I, I feel think like, so. My, my, I think my, that's how we did it. My my marijuana infested brain has trouble remembering <laughs> what we did last time. So uh no, I'll let you kick it off. Main event, Mackenzie Dern, Yan Zhaonan. Who you got? And of course, always we gotta do this uh, you know, a week out. So there's no been there's been no study or anything like <laughs> nope, that. Not for uh, my side I'm gonna, either. I'm gonna pick Mackenzie Dern. She okay. has been a thorn in my side block. Uh, I I am skeptical of her skill set. I think women that can uh take advantage of her stand-up are going to cause her a whole lot of issues. And hell, maybe that is Yan Jonan. Uh, but in this time off, in this big break that she has had, I think she's probably worked on her game. We can probably expect some new wrinkles to level up for her here. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, even though Mackenzie Dern has no ability to wrestle, women just leap into her guard and she submits them. Like it happens every time they just volunteer to go down into her guard and she gets them somehow. So I, I think eventually at some point she'll have an opportunity to snag Yan Jun and this is a 25 minute fight, right? For a main event. So I've got a hard time believing that Yan is not going to be able to find, uh, is not going to find her way to the ground at some point uh, in this fight. So I'll go ahead and say Dern for my main event pick. And then for the main card selection, I want to get off on the right foot. You know, we definitely don't want to set the next uh, the next game on fire from week one here. So I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Randy Ruboy Brown. He's been incredibly impressive in his uh, last couple of fights. You can see the evolution. Francisco Trinaldo. As much as he's one of my ageless Brazilians and just keeps doing the thing, his game is outdated. He's getting older. I think Randy, uh, Randy should be able to go ahead and win this fight. So a couple favorites to start me off. Hopefully I bink those two uh, first easy points and, and get rolling the right direction here for the next deadlock duel. Perfect. Well, we're going to start off with some dissension right off the bat here. I'm going to go with the Yan Nan side as my main event selection. Um, given the price that she's at, plus 185, that would get me you know, two points. If she ends up closing plus 200 or more, uh, that's three points. Um, 
but uh, I think her striking advantage will definitely come into play here. Uh, you know, the the six percent takedown accuracy rate from uh, Mackenzie Dern is a little bit skeptical, but like you kind of laid out, man, she always finds a way to finagle her way to the ground. I'm hoping that they've done nothing but drill, you know, takedown defense and staying away over there at Team Alpha Male for Yan Jonan, and she can just put her punches together. And you know, I I think that she could potentially finish uh, Mackenzie Dern as well, right? If she's able to put her foot on the gas, I think she can make her pay on the, you know, on those sloppy shot entries and try to put a combination together and get her out of there. Um, yeah, I'll go with Yan in the main event. So we have some, like I said, dissension right off the jump there. And then in terms of the, the rest of the main card, I think I'm going to go with my guy, Hani Barcelos. You know, I know he let me down last time as a big favorite against Victor Henry, but, you know, we, our eyes were opened up that night, you know, um, Barcelos uh, is is definitely a good fighter, and so is Victor Henry. But Victor Henry definitely deserves more respect after a, a performance like that, and especially considering how his regional uh, career went. You know, the guy is a legit guy, fought all over the world, uh, and was much better than those odds indicated. Um, and I failed to see that. But here against Trevin Jones, man, I think that Barcelos has him covered pretty much everywhere, right? Jones, you would expect him to try to take this fight to the ground to have su success. I don't know how... Uh, you know, whether he will actually be successful in doing so. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that we see a little bit more fire from Barcelos in this fight, um, especially coming off of that lackluster performance like I was talking about. But I think he's the better fighter everywhere. And as long as he shows up, he should go out there and uh, get this win. So, uh, yeah, give me uh, give me Hani Barcelos as the other spot. I might end up like, you know, I, I'm, I still got a tape study of the card as well, right? I was looking at Castaneda uh, as the potential other spot, but I just really don't remember much about Daniel Santos. That's my I, problem too. Yeah. I, I was I like Castaneda. I know I like Castaneda, but I got to refresh myself on uh, Daniel Santos. Exactly. So like pre-tape, Honey Barcelos is the other guy on the main card that I'd feel confident enough in terms of making my selection for the deadlock duo. So for sure. there you guys go. Clint going with uh Dern and Randy Rude Boy Brown, who's gonna be my my other guy that I want to pull the trigger on myself, but uh happy to take uh Honey Barcelos instead, and then obviously gonna go with Yan Xiaonan in the main event. All right, Clint, we are over the hour mark that we normally allocate for our, for this podcast. Uh let's start winding this bad boy down. What do you what do you got for us on the way out? That's about it. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us and hanging out. Smash that like button on your way out. Support the show. We're going to do our best to uh, pump up this show. Subscribe here on the Deadlock Duel YouTube page for us if you haven't already. We're really trying hard to get to like 500-plus subscribers by the end of the year here. It's been Growth has been a little slow for us, folks, so do us a favor. If you can comment on the show, uh, not in the live chat, of course, after the show's over, leave some comments. Talk to us uh, in there, and we'll get back to you. Help us grow this channel. We'd really appreciate it. It's a, a big love project here for us, and we want to keep doing it going forward. So we appreciate you guys. Good luck on the week off. No UFC, but there's Bellator action, so I'm sure we'll all have our uh, chalk boy parlays <laughs> coming up here in a day <laughs> or two. Uh, we love you guys. As always, thank you for the support. Follow us on social media, and uh, Deadlock Army, dismissed. <laughs>